Hi everybody, welcome to Nurse Hathaway's Heaven. Today's episode, we're going to be continuing on about advice for new grads in the ED. And again, this can apply to new grads anywhere in the hospital. It doesn't necessarily have to apply to emergency department nurses or new grads just in the ED because there's a lot of pearls of wisdom along the way that we're discussing. So we did leave off last time talking about what to wear to work and what to have handy and those types of things as far as tools of the trade, of course, stethoscope, we said trauma shears, tape, hemostats, your book of brains, or whatever you decide to carry on your person that can fit in your scrub pocket. Um, Index cards, sometimes those little placards that are on the back of the badges, I find that those are very helpful for new people, uh, especially for numbers. For instance, if you have a patient who's going bad and you need RT right quick, well, guess what? You may not have that number memorized yet, so it's actually really handy just to have a placard that's laminated. When I used to have those done for our nurses, um, as the educator, I'd make sure that we just had an up-to-date phone numbers for everybody rather than having them taped to the phone, actual telephone, because you might not be at the telephone at the nurse's station when you need to call somebody. So you might be in a patient care area, like in the actual patient's room, um, and you need to use the phone to pick up, or your pocket phone, usually you use your pocket phone, and call RT right quick. Well, you just flip your badge over and the placard would have 5651, or whatever the number was. So those are very handy to have. Um, If you don't have those in your institution or your organization, you can make your own. So that's always food for thought. It's really easy, super easy uh, to like laminate, but you do need that number. And the other thing that was on there, so you had like house super, RT, and then we had the units as well. So SI, MI, ICU, um, the different floors. So that when you're calling report, it didn't take you the extra few minutes to figure out, is this five east, is this five west? what's the room number, all of those things can take time. So having the um, laminated placard card on the back of your badge with all your handy numbers on it um, is super helpful. And again, we, um, you know, I used to work in in kind of a bigger emergency department, you know, 48, 52 beds, that kind of thing. So you had it divided up into A station, A, B station, C station, D station, triage, triage in the back, fast track, trauma. So everybody had a different pocket phone every day. So we would just update, when you signed on to your patient, you would just put your pocket phone number into the EMR. So mine would say my name and then whatever my pocket phone was so that people, if they needed me in AB station, they're not gonna come all the way over to D station because it was far. They're just gonna call me on my pocket phone. So again, updating all of your numbers in your um, EMR for that day for whatever your assignment is, is also super important uh, to enhance communication, which closed loop communication in and of itself is like a whole nother podcast in its entirety. So knowing um, the numbers of people that you're working with is is incredibly important. Um, It's particularly if you don't have them memorized. And really, who has time to memorize all those numbers? I have to know life-saving information in my brain. So 
for me to sit down and memorize, you know, a hundred different telephone numbers, which may or may not change throughout the shift is ridiculous. So just put it in next to your name when you sign on to your patient, whether you're using Cerner, Epic, it's super easy. So do that and do it every, every shift because you want to be a team player and you want to be known as a team player. And that's the other thing about nursing that I don't really know it's emphasized as much as it needs to be in nursing school. So, you know, nursing is a total team sport. It's not just I, me, 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 me. It's we, 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 we. And particularly in the emergency department, we don't code somebody. You're not going to code somebody by yourself. No, you need physician, you need respiratory, you need a couple of the nurses, you need some techs, you need some medics, whoever you have on hand. It's it's not just you running the code. You know, you need multiple people. So learning how to work as part of that team and really being comprehensive part of that team um, takes time. I don't think that a lot of people um, practice that in nursing school and they really, really need to. Um, they really need to emphasize it more because I think students or nursing students get out of school and they think, oh, this is going to be just like my four-hour shift that I worked in the med surge unit. Well, probably not anything like that at all because it's just going to be a totally different ball game for one because you, now you're the nurse, you're not just a student. And learning how to work as part of the team is a completely foreign concept to some new grads. So when you come to emergency department, again, you have one mouth and two ears. So learning about other people that you're working with is so important because that makes you part of the team when they start to trust you and ask you questions about you. I mean, nobody wants to hear the new kid on the block sit around and talk about themselves because you're new and you need to listen. You need to learn about other people and get to know them. And then eventually when you become more part of, ingrained part of the team, you know, you've been in a few codes, you've proven yourself to be, you know, somewhat trustworthy part of the team because as a new grab, people don't expect you to be running the code. You didn't lose your mind. You didn't like freak out. Um, those types of things, once they see that behavior in you, then you become more a part of the team. And, you know, a lot of EDs that I've worked at actually are pretty social outside of work as well. So, you know, going out to dinner, those types of things, when you get that first invite, you'll know, hey, I'm, you know, part of the group. But it's a total team sport. And you do need to think about those relationships that you're establishing, whether it's with the emergency physician or with the nurse practitioner or even the PA. I mean, yes, these are your colleagues and there is a certain hierarchy, but you'll notice that in the emergency department, it really is more of a family um, type environment. So it's not just like, well, you're the nurse and I'm the doctor and I gave you orders. It's totally not like that. It's more like the physicians know once they get to know and trust you, and your judgment and your assessment skills, they rely upon you. You know, they're their eyes and ears. They can't go out to triage and see all 15, 25, 30 patients that you're checking in. But certainly if you call a physician and you've been working with him or her for, you know, three or five years, and you're like, hey, doc, can I do 
X, Y, and Z, can I order this, even though it might not be in your protocol, you know, they're going to trust your judgment and they're going to say, yeah, sure, go ahead, order it, you know, put it under my name. There is that kind of trust and uh, familial like family. It's very um, different than a lot of different areas probably in the hospital. But I find that's one of the reasons that I like it is because there is that cohesiveness. When stuff goes down and things get bad, you just all bond together as a group, as a team, as a family, and you take care of business. And that's pretty much what emergency nursing is all about. Um, definitely a team sport. So one of the other things that, um, talking about food, um, I don't know why that popped into my brain because we were talking about scrubs earlier in part one of the podcast. Make sure you may or may not get your lunch on time. You may not get a lunch at all. Depends on what state you're working in. Of course, California, you um, are mandated by law with a nurse-to-patient ratio. However, most states don't have that rule yet, so there is not a dictation or a law that's actually says you can only have four patients. And that if you have a critical care patient, you're a one-to-one. And then somebody else will take over your other three patients. So that when you come out of the room with a critically ill patient, you don't have things that are left undone or patients that haven't been seen for like two or three or four, who who knows how many hours. So that's the beauty of um, nursing in California versus other states that do not have a mandated nurse-to-patient ratio. However, in other states that don't have the nurse-to-patient ratio, you need to put some snacks in your pocket, you know, have them handy wherever you're sitting at the nurse's station. A lot of places are like so anti-nurses eating, but then they're like, keep going, keep working, but you don't get a break. Well, that's actually against the law, but we know that as nurses, we don't always just get to take lunch right at 1130 or right at noon. It may be late. So the biggest thing to do, um, make sure that your blood sugar doesn't dip down too low, especially if you're diabetic, obviously. You need to make sure you have some snacks in your pocket, whether it's a protein bar, um, cashews, something that keep you going. Because, again, you are going to get hungry. So you start your shift, say, at 0700 hours. Well, you ate maybe something at 530 if you're lucky. Or maybe you didn't. And so by 9 o'clock, you're ravenous. You're so hungry. So you either make it so you can go get a big breakfast or you make sure that you continuously continuously eat some snacks. So sorry for the uh, interruption there. We had a delivery by the Amazon mailman. So back to the snacks real quick. Um, yeah, so make sure you have them. Have them readily available. Don't find yourself in a hypoglycemic state of mind because that is when errors can be made. So we all know what hangry is, you know. We all know how you feel when you're you can't get food. So making sure that you have food readily available is key to nursing. So no one can tell you and predict exactly when you're going to get your break. So make sure that you do that. Especially as a new grad cuz nobody ever really tells you this stuff. They just expect you to know it. And you wouldn't know that because it's just one of those things. Um, Again, back to the protocols, making sure that you know what the protocols say. So as far as your 
your ED, you know, typically there's a set of protocols and they can be pretty long. So there's one for abdominal pain. There's one for sore throat. There's one for um, head injury or suspected head injury. There's one for acute MI, sepsis, stroke, all of those things. Um, you know, you got your trauma alpha, your trauma bravo. So there's certain things that you're expected to have done on certain types of patients, which again, for the new grad is shocking because you've never even functioned as a nurse, much less autonomously without a physician standing next to you saying, do this, this, and this. So you'll need to familiarize yourself. And if you don't have a copy of them, you need to make sure that you do get somehow get a hard copy, whether it's from your nurse educator, um, your preceptor, whomever, so that you can actually take them home and read them and be super familiar with them because you're expected to have certain things done on certain patients. So if you have a patient with acute MI or, you know, STEMI, rule out STEMI, and they, so they just come in, 46-year-old male presenting with crushing substernal chest pain, pale, cool, diaphoretic, obviously, you, you go ahead and you start your protocol. So you, you throw them on O's, you do your line and lab, you draw your rainbow, which is all, everything, all the different colors, not just, you know, one thing for troponin. Um, so you, you draw the rainbow, you draw all your labs, you do, you know, your ABCs, of course, but then you could do your EKG or you're throwing them on the monitor. You're pulling up their old EKG if they've ever been to your facility before. So there's a lot of things that you're expected to do on certain types of patients that if you don't understand the protocols, then you're going to be lost. Because emergency docs, they, they expect that of you to function autonomously. And I, again, that's quite shocking for the new grad, I think it takes you all about 2.5 seconds to get that look from the physician like, well, why didn't you start that already or why isn't that done? So your preceptor should tell you that, those things. But, however, um, if you don't have a hard copy, make sure you do get a hard copy. You're studying those things on your own. So when you leave the hospital on your days off, as a new grad, you're going to have to study still. It's just part of life. It's part of nursing. It's part of that continuous learning that we take on when we join the profession. So you're never really going to be out of school. You're just going to be transitioning to learning new things within your profession or your specialty. So knowing those protocols are really super important. And the other thing is, you know, using that S-bar format when you're talking to people. Using closed-loop communication when you're talking to people. So... Learning how to communicate is a huge thing because people don't really get a lot of it in school. They don't get the opportunity. They don't really talk to doctors much. And then they get out of school and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say and I don't know how to say it. So fall back on your S-bar. So, you know, give the situation. So I have a 18-year-old female in room 23 who's complaining of right lower quadrant pain she's no no prior surgical history she's she's febrile she's got a temple 103.5 you know i i line in lambda i sent a ua she's not pregnant do you want me to order an ultrasound you know the rest of her assessments negative except for that right lower quadrant pain she said she vomited once this morning but she's not actively vomiting what would you like me to order um so that's kind of the whole s bar 
in a nutshell, and making sure that you communicate with the team in them in the same consistent manner. So you want to be seen as someone who is able to communicate with other people, whether it's a, a medic, a tech. Um, delegating is another thing that new grads have like a huge problem with because they've never done it before, but you're going to need to learn how. So how you ask people to do things is like 99.9% of the battle. So I used to just say, hey, I know you're super busy, but when you get a chance, can you whatever it is that I want them to do? Because by saying that they're busy, you're acknowledging the fact that you know that they're working hard too. It doesn't really matter what role they're in. It could be another nurse. But you always want to be the one that is also acknowledging, hey, I know you're super busy, but when you get a chance, can you help me do whatever the task is? Because if you don't acknowledge that they're busy too, or you just say, can you go blah, blah, blah. Well, they're not sitting at the nurse's station playing Candy Crush on their phone. They're running their butt off, you know, trying to help, you know, 10 different nurses that have 10 different requests. And unless you're in that position, have you ever worked as a tech, you don't even understand what their job is like either. And so everyone's asking them to do 10 different things right this minute. It's super annoying. And now you just ask them to do one more thing. So keep that in mind and how you ask them to do it is super super important so say I you know just you know I know you're super busy but is there any way that you can or I know you're super busy but when you get a chance can you do because that's really key to you know having your text and everybody that you work with kind of be in your right hand person if you're left-handed I guess if you're right-handed you're left-handed person So somebody that you really can count on in crunch time and delegate. So, you know, I haven't seen, you know, Mr. Jones in room 15 in like an hour and a half. Is there any way that you can go revital him when you get a chance? Or can you please go revital room 16? I've been tied up in here, you know, doing a rapid sequence intubation or whatever it is that you've been doing. So, and they don't know what everybody's doing at every point in time. Sure, if someone's coding, yeah, they might know that, but they don't know what needs to be done. So you that's your job as the nurse, as a patient advocate. So you know you haven't laid eyes on a patient. You need to delegate some of that stuff out. And again, how you ask is a huge part of the battle. So make sure that you are delegating out what you can delegate out and how you ask again is very very important and again it comes back back to that whole teamwork thing so you don't just treat somebody a certain way because they're a different role I mean everybody's part of the patient care everybody I feel like in the in the ED it's like in the ER everybody's patient is everybody's responsibility so I don't just look across the way and see room 10's trying to get out of bed. Can someone go help him? No. I mean, I need to, if he's getting up and he's unstable and I'm walking by the room and I'm the only one that sees him, I need to stop what I'm doing. It's all of our patients, all of the time. It's not just, oh, well, that's Jackie's patient. So I'm going to call her and tell her that she needs to go in there and like take care of her patient who's about to stand up on the side of the bed and pull all his lines and tubes out. So, no, 
That's you. That's you. Your part. It's everybody's patient. It's not just Jackie's patient in room 10. So keep that in mind too, because I don't think that it's an unwritten rule in the ER. It's like nobody tells you, you know, environmental services is just as important to what we do as a CEO, as a CNO, as a CFO, as a physician, like everybody's part of the team. And so no one role is really that much important or any different than any of the others. So it's all of our patients, all of the time, safety first. So have that mentality too. You know, if you're in the middle of a room and you're coding a patient, you you can't really get up and help Jackie's patient. (laughs) But if you're walking by the room and you see that this patient is going to do this, this, and this, or someone's actively seizing, you know, call out for help and and the troops will arrive. People will come and help you. You know, we run our own codes so we don't hit the code button on the wall. We just say, I need some help in here. Uh, you know, that's how we get help. And it's very different than other units. You know, whether it's the floor. I think that's one of the hard transition things for people who come from a different unit, like telemetry. They're like, oh, call a code, call the opera. No, we run our own codes, so... We do everything ourselves. So we just call out for help and say, I need some help in here. You know, everyone comes. And I mean everyone. So that's how we we push our own code button, so to speak. We just yell out, we need help in here. Or security, if that's, you know, the issue with a patient who's escalating. So the other thing that I can mention real quick, and then we're going to wrap up for today, Um, is joining a professional organization such as Emergency Nurses Association. So when I was teaching, I always would mention this to a lot of my students that if they were truly 100% geared towards um, ER nursing, that they joined ENA. Uh, Number one, because it's like 50 bucks as a student. Uh, I want to say it's way more that when you become a nurse. So you want to join as a student. And the other rationale behind that is as a manager. So if I'm the ED manager and I have 150 applications for like five spots, well, guess what? If I see that somebody's already a part of our specialty, our professional organization for our specialty, I'm be like, this person's a real go-getter. You know, this person's a standout candidate because they're already going above and beyond what's expected of them. Nobody expects you as a new grad to be part of ENA. And that just says a lot about you as a person. So for me, I would say, hmm, this person's going to stand out to me as someone that I probably want to interview and maybe even hire. So, um... I think that's it for today. And, oh, the other thing, um, just to look at your ESI um, protocols too, to uh, understand what your emergency severity index stands for. So to know that one is a resuscitation, two is like acutely ill, critically ill, and or possibly dying. Uh, One's like actively dying, and three is like, eh, And four is like, okay, could have gone to urgent care. And five is like a med refill. So understanding ESI, especially on your tracking board, so you can actually do like a quick snapshot of the department and see if there's like two acuity ones, 
and multiple acuity twos and like zero fours and fives in your department, you're pretty, pretty swamped. And just kind of looking at what's going on in the department rather than just your three or four little rooms is also going to broaden your horizon. So hopefully your preceptor will kind of open your mind to that too because you do need to understand at some point what is charged you know, going through or what are they looking for? And so why am I not getting a a room for my admit? You know, is the hospital full? You know, those kind of things usually happen in a safety briefing at the beginning of the shift. But again, you need to kind of understand what's going on in everybody's rooms or just, you know, have like a quick look and that'll help you when you go to triage. So you're kind of doing your homework for when you go to triage so you can understand what's going on in the back of the department so you're not just looking at what's happening at triage so you're looking at the big picture and not just thinking well this is what's going on in my room so again one's like a recess two's emergent three's urgent four semi-urgent and five is non-urgent and when you take your triage class you'll learn about more about that and in depth and then actually learn how to assign an acuity to patients. So probably when you're a new grad, you're like totally guessing and looking at your preceptor going, is this guy a two or three? Um, That will come with time. So again, not to worry. Nobody expects you to have all the answers. Um, And you know, that's the thing. Keep learning, keep growing and you'll get it and don't be too hard on yourself. So Again, that concludes this part of the podcast or part two um, of advice for the new grads. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.